your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to this Monday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And thank you all so much for making this episode of Locked On Penguins podcast your first listen of the day. What a win it was for your Penguins on Saturday night. A 7-1 shellacking of the Toronto Maple Leafs who have a lot more questions than answers right now. But my biggest takeaway from that game, I actually, I loved it that uh, Pen67 sent this to me because I was going to um, talk about this right off the rip, but I wanted to include his comment here. He says, there's a lot of big wins since the last cup win in 2017, but the win against the Leafs on Saturday night would be in the top 10 since then. What a statement with the big wheels out. Let's go, Pens. Um, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that comment, and you are 100% right. That is where I was going to start today. Um... I have been watching this franchise, I would say, for, what, 18 of the 23 years that I've been alive. Um, This is definitely one of the top 10 best wins that I've ever seen. Think about the circumstances. No Sidney Crosby, no Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang test positive for COVID-19, Jeff Carter is out with COVID-19 as well, Brian Russ is week to week. Those are five of your best players, and you still put seven goals up on the high-flying Maple Leafs, that just goes to show how amazing of a coach Mike Sullivan is, and he has a total buy-in from all of the players right now. It is truly fascinating to see how every player on the team knows their role. And, you know, Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick were touching on this on their episode earlier today before I recorded mine. You know, just the, the differences between the Leafs and the Penguins. Pittsburgh had three days off for that game, and apparently Brian Boyle spoke after the game to Emily Kaplan, and he said, yeah, Sullivan had a plan going into this, and when he told us it, we were not going to let him down. And that is exactly what the Penguins did with that 7-1 to shellacking of the Leafs, just a total buy-in from all of the players. And, you know, 8 out of 10 points to start the season with these circumstances, with all these positive COVID tests, all these injuries, the goaltending being awesome. It's something that... I know I didn't see coming, and I don't think anyone else in the fan base saw coming either. And it just goes to show that Sullivan is not only a top five coach in this league, but a top three coach in this league. I don't really think you can name three other coaches better than him at this point. And I think, you know, this if he is able to keep managing this, which I'm sure he will be able to, he should win the Jack Adams by the end of the season. I, I will fully start the Mike Sullivan for Jack Adams campaign on this podcast. It is a joke, a crime. It's pathetic that he never gets any love for it because he is one of the three best coaches in the league. And, you know, I've always voiced my frustrations over that award because it goes to the team that overachieves in quotation marks or has the best goalie in quotation marks or whatever other garbage you want to use for it. But, you know, what Sullivan is doing right now is masterful. And for this alone, he should be a top candidate for coach of the year at the end of the season. It was ridiculous that he wasn't even named a finalist at the end of last season, considering all the injuries this team went through. They got first in the freaking division, for God's sake, and also had some pretty shaky goaltending at times in the regular season. In my opinion, I think the East Division was the toughest division in hockey. And the fact that there were three other coaches on there was, was nothing short of weird and just steeping and all that. 
But I'm sure, you know, once all the big guns come back, you know, the reasoning for the reason for him that's not going to be on the Jack Adams, well, he has Sidney Crosby, he has Evgeny Malkin, he has Chris Letang, he has Jeff Carter, he has Brian Russ, whatever, whatever. But it's like, look who he did not have for the first whole month of the season. And look what he was able to do with the team. I mean, they're like, what, a, a point out of first place right now? They've gotten a point in their first five games of the season, and some of these teams they've had to play are really freaking good. I mean, you've had the two-time defending champions in the Lightning. They stymied them in Tampa Bay. They played their butts off against the Panthers and honestly should have won that game. They crushed Toronto. Sure, they lost a game to the Dallas Stars in overtime. No, excuse me, a shootout, but they honestly should have won that game as well. And then they destroyed the Chicago Blackhawks, who just can't seem to even get a lead at this point. I think they've actually set an NHL record for the most amount of minutes to open the season uh, while not having a lead. But all of this has been because of Mike Sullivan. It is. And for those that wanted him fired after this last series, or honestly fired after that Montreal series, I really hope you're eating your words right now. Because if they were to fire this man, uh, it would set the franchise back a, a, a long ways. He is that good at what he does. And I, I understand that all coaches have shelf lives. I mean, you know, even Joel Quenville got fired in Chicago. John Tortorella was with uh, Columbus for all those years. But Mike Sullivan is one of those few coaches that can, you know, I guess outlive a shelf life because all of his players listen to him on a daily basis. You know, there's always been all those stories that, you know, the players start to tune out a coach. I mean, that happened here with Dan Bilesma. That happened here with Mike Johnston, but not with Sully. I mean... He knows how to get the best out of his players, even when a lot of his other best players are out of the lineup, and that speaks volumes to me. And in that game against Toronto, it, they just, outside of probably five to ten minutes in the first period, they dominated them. Like, I, I, I was honestly just stunned at the way they were playing. They were forechecking hard. They were not giving anything back in the defensive zone. And honestly, once Toronto went down 3-1 to one in that game, I was like, yeah, it's over. I mean, you could just tell that the Leafs were kind of checked out in that one. And again, Pittsburgh was not giving any anything to them in the way of scoring chances. It's such a great brand of hockey when all of their star players are out. And the best part is, it's not boring. You're not seeing that style that the Dallas Stars play with, even with all of their star players in, right? You know, where they dumb it down and, you know, it's like watching your water boil for pasta when you're making a dish for dinner or, you know, the New Jersey Devils from the late 90s or even, you know, the New York Islanders with Barry Trotz's system. I mean, I know how boring that system is. We had to see it almost 15 times last season, but, you know, Sullivan, he runs a system similar to that, but it's actually fun to watch just because of the way the team forechecks and the way they are still able to, I guess, kind of run a track meet in a way, but, you know, not as bad as it is when all of the star players are in the lineup. It's you always defense first, and then they're just capitalizing on the opponent's mistakes, and that's exactly what Pittsburgh did against Toronto. Drew O'Connor gets two more goals, almost had a hat-trick in that game. He now has three goals in his first five games. What a find he has been. Um, you know, just looked like an ECHL player last year, comes up this season, looks like a completely different player and is continuing to make his push to be in the top 12 if this freaking team ever gets healthy. I keep making the mistake of saying that on Twitter. You know, I say when this team is healthy, then I get corrected out saying, you know, it should be if because you you always know it's going to be a soul for a soul, as Thanos says in Avengers Infinity War, where, you know, one player comes back, another player comes back out. But 
awesome game from him. He was everywhere against the Leafs, and he was uh, very well rewarded with those two goals. I think one of them was a deflection. Just Jack Campbell had no chance on that. I know Jason Spezza was able to come back and score the tying goal for the Leafs about 30 seconds to a minute later. Mike Matheson was kind of running around in his zone a little bit. And then, you know, as soon as I kind of talked a bunch of crap on him, he comes back and scores on a nice, honestly, a beautiful uh, wrap around. He went coast to coast on the Leafs and even elevated the puck. I think that was one of the first times I've ever seen a puck elevated on a wraparound. Usually it's only, it's still on the ice. You know, the pad doesn't get across, but you know, Jack Campbell's pad, I'm pretty sure got across in time, but Matheson was able to somehow elevate it um, above the pad to make it 2-1. And then the floodgates started to open from that point. But you know, overall, just with this first segment, my biggest takeaway um, what a performance from this team. That's 8 out of 10 points to open the season. And Mike Sullivan um, is doing his best coaching job of his tenure to date. And yeah, I mean, you, I, I, this is definitely a top 10 win that I've seen for as long as I have been watching them. You know, obviously you got the big cup wins up there. Game 7 against Ottawa. A couple other big time playoff series. But, you know, I guess you can probably separate the playoffs from the regular season. So in terms of regular season wins, um, they are definitely not 10 games from as long as I've been watching them that are better than this. I mean, it was just a beautiful performance. And I did tweet out prior to this game that if the Leafs were to lose this, it would be just like the David Ayers game. I will stand by that. It is absolutely pathetic how the Leafs played in this one. Mitch Marner looked like crap. Austin Matthews couldn't do a thing. William Nylander couldn't do anything. John Tavares, the same. It's pretty weird that old man Jason Spezza is basically... Uh, leading their offense. And then, you know, one last thing before we get to the next segment, we'll touch on some of the other players from this performance. Uh, it's been two years. You know, Wayne Simmons is still kind of a scumbag. I don't really understand um, why he decided to fight in that situation. It was just kind of a cheap shot, too. Um, but, you know, he's the same player he was when he was, with, when he was with Philadelphia. He's not going to change. So that's just who he is at this point. We all are accustomed to Wayne Simmons being an idiot whenever he plays the Penguins. Now, before you get to our next segment, um, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for their good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And another reminder, thank you all so much for making the Locked On Penguins podcast hopefully your first listen of the day. Now, going into some individual performances from this game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Tristan Jari, again, spectacular. Um, That is now four straight really good starts from him. And now, because, you know, you all know me, I love the underlying numbers. Tristan Jari still fourth in goals saved above expected with 5.1. Bobrovsky at 9. Shesterkin 6.3. Frederick Anderson at 5.2. His goals saved above expected per 60. 1.250. That's still, I believe, top 10 league-wide. His save percentage on unblocked shots, or his actual save percentage, I should say, it is 970. His expected save percentage on unblocked shots, that is 943. Goals against, 1.47. His expected goals against is 2.73. So the fact that he has outperformed 
performing that goes to show that he is this has been a much better year from Tristan thus far and you know, he was on his angles in that game against Toronto there were some really good chances in that first period that you know if he doesn't make those saves uh, the game could have gone away from the Penguins a little bit just because you know Toronto really pushed after that Spetsa goal, but after Pittsburgh was able to get that Matheson goal and then Jason Zucker's goal, which I'll talk about in a few seconds, um, Toronto really had no hope. So without the, some key saves in the first period from Tristan, um, this game could have been a lot different. Kudos to him. That is now his fourth straight really good start to open the season, and it's continuing to be more encouraging as each start goes by. I would expect him to start on Tuesday against Tampa at PBG Paints Arena. Um, you know, now we'll get to Jason Zucker. Um, kind of a harmless little riff shot, a lot of traffic. I don't really know how Jack Campbell didn't save that. I guess he was screened, but when I, I've watched that replay, I, I think five or six times now, um, he still should have been able to come up with the puck. That made it 3-1, and you know, that's his second goal of the season. You know, Jason Zucker's redemption is in full swing. I want to see him shooting the puck more. That's exactly what he did with that sequence, and he needs to keep doing that if he wants to keep scoring more. Obviously, you know, not a lot of pucks are going to come in from that distance. I think it was around, what, 40, 45 feet away. But the fact that he is committed to shooting the puck a lot more this season after um, having, I think, his worst shooting year uh, last season is really good for the Penguins, I would say. And I loved O'Connor's second goal of that game. I, came, I think it was, what, what, nine minutes left in the second period. Uh, just a harmless little shot. Goes in off of Toronto, skated in. You know, it honestly reminded me of, I think... Jake Gensel's goal, Game 4, 2017 against the Capitals. Uh, just basically banked it off to Mitchell Orlov's skating in. And, you know, that was one of the big goals of that game for the Penguins to go up three games to one in that series. It's never a bad play in that scenario to fire the puck on net. That is exactly what O'Connor did. And again, people, um, I will continue to say it. I think he should be in this top 12 um, if everyone gets healthy. He should be playing. Um, many more games from this team this season. It, it, I, I can't stress enough how night and day it is. I know I got old takes exposed pretty bad going into the preseason where I thought he didn't really have much of a chance to make the team. Comes out as a great preseason. I still say, you know, he's probably not going to do much in the regular season. And then I look like even more of an idiot when he comes out and scores three goals in five games. So he has been awesome this year. And I just... I really have nothing else to say on it just because I don't want to keep rehashing the same things I've said probably 500 times in the last week. Brian Boyle gets his second goal of the season. That was a rocket of a shot. I'm, I'm trying to remember who that pass was. I think it was from Dom Simone, if I'm not mistaken. And he just fired that, I think, glove side on the... Uh, I think Hutchinson was in the net just because Jack Campbell got pulled. Um, real, Hutchinson really had no chance on that. It was nice to see Boyle get rewarded for another strong game. You know, I've definitely been wrong on him to start the season. I did not think he would have two goals in the team's first five games. But, you know, he's a player that everyone can root for, especially with, you know, what he's been through throughout his career. So it's nice to see him play some really good hockey. Marcus Pedersen, he gets his first goal of the season, and he continues to shut a lot of people up in this fan base, and that makes me... Um, obviously very happy just because I have been a very big supporter of his throughout the years. I did not want him traded over the offseason. I still do not, want, do not want him traded when POJ comes up full-time or when another defenseman um, inevitably comes up at some point. He is too important to this team, and you're continuing to see how great he is with John Marino. Speaking of Marino, 
Another masterful performance from him. He played on the top pairing with Brian Juman because Chris Tang had COVID. Did not look out of place at all through five games. Um, this is the best that we have seen him play since his rookie season. His skating, his vision, play on the offensive zone, play in the defensive zone. Um, it's night and day from what we all saw last season. And, you know, a lot of it does have to do with playing with his usual partner in Marcus Pedersen. So I want to keep seeing it. And, you know, even though he wasn't with Pedersen during this game, um, playing with Dumoulin, I didn't really see any miscues between the two. It looked like they had been playing with each other for three to four years, if you ask me. But, you know, playing, playing on the top pairing, it's not something you want to see for a full season. But, you know, in a little bit of a short spell with Chris Letang out due to being sick, um, it's not the worst thing in the world. You want to see what this guy can do. He's only in his third season in the league. He didn't have that good of a year last year. Throw him out to even more of the Wolves and see how he fares. And I definitely think he passed that first test on Saturday against Toronto. Lastly, Evan Rodriguez, he gets of his first goal of the season. Just a rocket of a shot from above the right wing circle on the power play. I know no one's used to seeing him play on the top power play. I know I'm not, but you know he's really stepped up his game with all of these centers out, and he is also pushing for a top 12 spot. You know, with the emergence of O'Connor, with Boyle playing well, with Simone playing really well, um, I just I don't know what his spot is if this team gets healthy. Do you put him in the lineup? I mean, Drew O'Connor might have to come out. Dominic Simone might have to come out. And I would take them right now over Rodriguez. But that's not to say that Evan has been playing bad because he hasn't. I mean, he's actually been pretty reliable this season. It's just such a tough call for Mike Sullivan because this team is so deep. So I'm not really sure what the right answer is there. But all he can do is continue to play well and make his case to be in the lineup on an every night basis. And he is certainly doing that right now. I thought he was fine with Jake Gensel and Danton Heinen. And obviously you don't want him playing there for 20 to 30 games. But, you know, in one to two, it's not going to be the end of the world. And again, I thought he was just fine. I don't really think I could point to a single player actually being bad for the whole game in this one. And, you know, I saw this point made on Twitter by a couple people. And I think I've talked about this coming into this season. I'll say this again for some of the new listeners. It is so refreshing to not have a player on this team that will drag them down on a nightly basis. It's so nice to not have the corpse of Jack Johnson playing 15, 16 minutes a night at you know negative value for the team. Same with Eric Goodbranson. You know, I know Sam Lafferty's not that good, but he's nowhere near that level. They don't have a Mark Jankowski dragging down a line on an every night basis. Every player that's playing right now brings positive value to the team, and that's only going to get better. If this team ever gets healthy, yes, I understand that I probably said that five times in 18 minutes. You could probably all start a drinking game for that. But um, it's just everyone knows their role and they have identified the players that can bring a positive contribution to the team without having to overpay for some bad depth players. But I wanted to point that out before we do get to our next segment. It is really just a breath of fresh air in that regard. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to go over some practice notes from today um, and just you know look ahead to tomorrow night's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Before we do that, though, did you know that Bilt Bar has many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to Bilt Bar fan, you're, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the flavors, you're always missing out with orange, cookies and cream, strawberry, salted caramel, double chocolate, mint brownie, which is, I think is my second favorite behind the cookies and cream. If you haven't tried 
all the flavors. You can get a mixed box and you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, they are very healthy as well. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. You can go to Belt.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Belt.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins. Um, some practice notes to go over today. Full team participated in practice. Evgeny Malkin and Brian Russ skated before. Um, it seems like Gino is really ramping up his skating, taking a lot of shots during these uh, sessions. And he looks primed to hopefully come back. Um, in early December, I don't know. How, I know the timeline was December. I just don't know if it was Christmas time, mid-December, early December. You know, but the fact that he's skating right now, I think, could point to him being back uh, in the early portions of the month. But you know, who knows on that? Brian Russ, also great to see him back out on the ice after being declared week to week by Mike Sullivan about a week ago. Though the big news today: Sidney Crosby again a full participant in. Penguins practice, and Mike Sullivan even said after the session um, that his increased participation indicates that he's getting closer to a return. I'm not ready to say if he is going to be playing tomorrow. I think it's probably a bit too early to see that. We'll see if he takes line rushes at the morning skate, see what uh, kind of drills he does, but it sounds like you know he was doing some face-offs. I think that was one of the main things that he said he had not done, and Mike DeFabo said this while being at practice. You know He had not taken four, such as stick lifts, battling in face-offs, and there was a segment of practice with live five-on-five action, including face-offs, and um, four line rushes. Sid did participate a little bit, was with Jason Zucker and Danton Heinen, the other ones, Jake Gensel, Ed Rodriguez, Kasperi Kempton, uh, Dominic Simone, Brian Boyle, Sam Lafferty, uh, Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, and Brock McGinn. Um, but I think Sid was also skating between uh, Drew O'Connor and Dayton Heinen for some other line rushes as well. So I think he kind of just came in and out for those. Again, not sure if he's going to play tomorrow, but um, it looks like potentially sometime this week we will see Sid back. If it's not tomorrow, definitely a higher chance that it's on Thursday against the Flames, uh, it, but it also could be... Um, on the weekend too but at least you know the fact that the captain is getting closer great sign that we'll be able to get one of the three guys back Chris Letang was not at practice there was some hope from people in the organization it sounded like that it was going to be a false positive it was not it was a full tested positive and he will be isolated from the team I think it's what 10 days or something like that so he will not be playing uh, tomorrow and I would be very surprised if he played on Thursday I don't think there's any way He's going to play there as well. Hopefully, that he get, we get a speedy recovery from Tanger because he is a player that this team could not afford to lose for a long period of time. Um, they will play Tampa Bay on Tuesday. I'm sure the Lightning will be looking for a bit of revenge just because of the way they played on opening night against Pittsburgh. There was just nothing going from them in that game, and I think you will see a much different Lightning team. We all know how great they are at forward. I know they lost a lot of their bottom six, but their top six is still awesome. Victor Hedman looks like a different player this year. And obviously, Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world, and they do have a great coach in John Cooper. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Hopefully, Sid will be back for it. I'll be crossing my fingers that the captain makes his debut, and I'm sure, um, you know, John Cooper may be crossing his fingers. He, he did say um, after opening night that the only 
thing that was missing was Sid playing. So I'm sure he's hoping a little bit that he plays, but also maybe not because it would drive up the odds of his team winning if Sid is not in the lineup. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I appreciate all of you listening to this one. 3-0 and 2 to start the season. Game 6 tomorrow night from PBG Paints Arena against Tampa Lightning. Then they will have the Calgary Flames come to PBG on Thursday before a Saturday matchup against the New Jersey Devils. And then they will actually have five days off until November 4th. So that'll be a fun time on this podcast. We'll probably have some guests on during that point. Um, So for tomorrow's episode, you can look for that after the game. I will record a full game recap. And then Wednesday, probably have a preview for that game against the Flames. I'm going to try to do maybe a little crossover with uh, Jess Belmosto of Locked on Flames. And then Thursday, full game recap for you all. And then Friday, we will have a preview episode for the Penguins' first Metropolitan game of the season against the New Jersey Devils. So that is the week ahead for this show. I hope you all are looking forward to it. And I can't wait to talk to you all about tomorrow night's game after it happens. So I'll talk to you all then.